Seek and Destroy. This is Wednesday, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard. I am your host of Discussions of Truth, Ian Hamilton Trottier. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening Podcast, Spotify, iPhones. Drop me a line. Let me know um, what your... I've, I've gotten some recent feedback. Tell me what your... Uh, uh, what your uh, podcast of preference is, just out of curiosity, how you are re-listening to me, if you do listen live, uh, either on uh, Winwood Run 1 or uh, StopMassMedia.com. Again, uh, IanTrottier.com has all of my previous guests. Uh, this is the fourth year doing the program. And Freedom Reserved, No More Lies comes out. Uh, Trying Day Publishing, April 2020. You can pre-order it now on Barnes & Noble uh, or Amazon. You can order it in the UK and Canada. It's available via Chapters. It's available in Denmark and in the US, or excuse me, Australia. Those are all the locations that I know it's currently available. Uh, three, about 350 pages. Again, you can pre-order right now. Freedom Reserved, No More Lies, and uh, go to stopmassmedia.com or uh, actually, you know what, even Discussions of Truth, there's a number of websites where the show does stream, uh, and discussofthetruth.com is where you can find for purchase uh, a link to the book, a description of the book, the show, uh, and a little bit about, about me. Okay, so uh, getting into next week, um, last week, if you did not catch the program, uh, we had uh, an incredible guest. Uh, again, this program has been very fortunate, and it has received some outstanding guests in its, uh, in its tenure and continues to receive uh, incredible uh, incredible people, uh, highly credentialed folks. Progressive National, excuse me, Progressive National Internationally syndicated talk show host Tom Hartman uh, rejoined the program to talk about the war on voting. Uh, Talkers Magazine named him America's most important progressive host and has named his show one of the top 10 talk radio shows in the country every year for over a decade. Uh, he's a New York Times best-selling author and currently is working on a 10-book series called The Hidden History. Uh, and this 
it was his third installment, The War on Voting. His initial was Guns, and the second installment was Supreme Court. The fourth installment, he's going to go into uh, how monopolies basically destroyed the middle class. And you may not resonate with that. You may think we well, monopolies. Well, the last antitrust law, uh, lawsuit, uh, what was there was one brought up against, was it Facebook? Um, but really, Americans typically identify monopolies as being something uh, of yesteryear, yester decade, yester century in the Rockefellers. As you dig deep and you look into the structure economically, this is not a U.S.-run global economy. This is an international economy, and it's not run by the U.S. Okay, you can argue that, and I accept your argument because uh, the invention of the light bulb, the invention of the television, some of these old patents um, that kind of sparked the industry in the early years and led, well, in part, leading to uh, uh, Ford's factory line and assembly line and, and whatnot, putting America on the international stage economically by far. But that all changed. I believe, completely changed in 1913 with the Federal Reserve Act. And you have to, one has to remember, the United States did not fund itself against the British. The United States was funded. So who were those people funding the war, the American Revolution? All right, And something that is surprised me recently, and I hope it does surprise you, is that George Washington held shares in the Bank of England during the American Revolution. So you won't, one might say, okay, wait a second, this is odd because wasn't he an enemy of the British? Uh, so why was he holding shares in the Bank of England? Why were those not sold when he went to war? Okay, and then from the British standpoint, one would think, okay, why would the Bank of England permit the enemy to hold shares in their bank? Okay, so then you must dig into the Bank of England. And the City of London is not the overall City of London that you refer to. The City of London is a small square, or I don't know if it's square or not, but it's a very small neighborhood in London that is that dates back to the Roman Empire. This predates William the Conqueror, and it hasn't changed. It's always been, in a sense, its own sovereign district the city of London, in so much that the queen or any royalty that's possessed uh, or occupied uh, royal status, I suppose, over England and its holdings, uh, must ask to enter, must ask permission to enter the city of London. Yes, the queen of England must formally in a sense, knock on the door to enter the city of London. So what's inside the city of London? That's basically uh, the banking system that runs uh, the UK, uh, the Bank of England. And it's not run by the British royal family. I'm not saying the British royal family is not wealthy. I, I would project that they're probably much wealthier than any of the wealthiest Americans. Yes, my, my suggestion is that, yes, perhaps even wealthier than what we think of being the world's wealthiest man. What is it now? Jeff Bezos or... Carlos Slim, uh, Bill Gates, one of those three typically occupies that top slot. My argument is that there are far wealthier families 
that occupy power that feed in and make up this international banking system that the United States feeds into. And really the only thing, in my opinion, that keeps that American empire, if you will, afloat is its military. Okay, that's really the only thing because I had a 20, what is it, 23, 26 trillion dollar national debt. Who is that debt being paid to? Okay, ever since I've been alive, and that's a few decades, this country has had a national debt. And it just continues to sink further and further and further and further into debt. So at one point in time, the United States, the glorious American empire, must pay the piper. So who is that? So then you're getting into what is the deep state. Welcome to Discuss Your Truth. I am your host, Ian Hamilton Trottier. I've been doing this program now. It's going on four years. I've been in talks about a possible television show in New York. I've been in talks about being syndicated by a station in Arizona. Another syndication elsewhere. Uh, book being released in April. Uh, when it comes down to it, it's any human being's right, I believe, to investigate and seek out truth. Okay, it's your right to know. All right, no human being on this planet, where there's seven billion of us, no one of us has created this system. Okay, we all feed from it, we all breathe its air, we all drink of its water. Yes, our nine-to-fives, yes, we are cogs to our individual governments, but if you're an American, you are the government, okay? The government doesn't control you, you control the government. So, speaking of Tom Hartman, as we go back, and in, in, in my guess is he'll be rejoining the program, that middle class that represents the government is shrinking, which means the government is getting and becoming more powerful over the people. You gradually slide into what is a dictatorship. Now, I don't have degrees in economics. I don't have degrees in politics. Okay, and I don't have degrees, plural. But what I do have is an opinion. And from everything that I've read, and there have been some well-educated guests to join this program, everything I speak of is accurate and to a degree and certainly there are corners that are rounded and then there are corners that are sharp but it's up to each and every one of us to seek that out if that makes sense nothing against donald trump but are there far more qualified people diplomatic balanced in their thinking to be occupying the oval office in the United States, I would think that there are. And again, nothing against Donald Trump. But is he simply a reflection of the corruption that we've allowed this government to become? He's a symptom. Okay? He's a symptom. So moving into next week. Next week will be a very inter interesting discussion. Behold a pale farce, cyber war, threat infiltration, malware, industrial complex. Professor Bill Blunden will be joining the program. 
And today, we have yet another very special guest holding by to join us. And sorry, I'm just uh, grabbing the information so we can bring bring him on. But today, we will be hosting Kevin Shipp, who is a former, oh, there we go, sorry about that, who is a former CIA agent, okay, high-ranking CIA agent, and just bear with me as I, uh, sorry, sometimes I don't get an opportunity to, which I should, um, to do some of the prep beforehand. I, I do uh, report daily to a nine to five. Um, okay, so I'll be ringing him on in a moment. Um, the slate for the program is great. So Bill Blunden uh, occupies next week's slot. We're also going to have a double header uh, next week uh, with J.P. Lindstroth. And last time J.P. was on the program, I had some technical difficulties. Um, his voice didn't come through. But we went into some pretty good... He's a, he's a historian, uh, Oxford PhD, former Fulbright Scholar to Brazil. He went into some detail about FDR. So we'll be visiting that again with him today. And it is very possible there will be a doubleheader again today. Uh, I have who I'll na- uh, keep unidentified at this point, but she has been um, targeted in a sense, she uh, has information, again, that certain groups are using electronic weapons to target her and harass her. But what happens is that these people cannot to defend themselves. Uh, following Bill Blunden, we continue into March with the author of Sabotage, uh, Professor Anastasia Nesvetelova from uh, the, the London School of Economics. We'll be joining the program, and then we'll be ending March with A. Ralph Epperson. If you caught the show, the program, January 2nd, we opened up 2020 with uh, Jordan Maxwell. Jordan Maxwell has 60 years of uh, intense research in this really deep state, this system that um, really is the reason why I'm speaking English, okay? And it digs deeper through England, and that language, it goes much further, okay? Um, and that program has done incredibly well. And I upload all the programs, try to upload all the programs into YouTube, and that, that one has uh, a great number of hits. He's a very well-educated individual. He's, in, in his, he's actually 80 now, and uh, he's very kind to join the program. We opened the, opened the year up with him. So A. Ralph Epperson is a intellectual researcher, historian in that classification, in my opinion, okay? And he'll be discussing his book, El Nuevo Orden Mundial, okay? And that's very plain. That's in plain sight. It's on the back of your dollar bill, the New World Order. It's right on the back of your dollar bill, okay? And again, that's a bill. That is a, that's a receipt of credit that you, as an American, pay your taxes and allow this government to run you and rule you. You pay to... Your debtor, who's your debtor on the very surface level? It's your Federal Reserve. All right. So a, a new world order, what is that? 
uh, and because it certainly is uh, predates um, predates the United States, uh, 1776 or 1783 or 80, 89, I think, is when the Constitution was actually initiated officially um, and put into uh, put into work. Uh, Zachary Voorhees uh, is a Google software engineer, whistleblower, and actually a patent holder. Uh, he turned over 950-page cache to the Department of Justice in August of 2019. He will be joining the program to start April. Okay, so please donate at iantrache.com. You can donate on any of the websites, stopmassmedia.com, discuss your truth. Um, and, and I urge you to please buy a T-shirt, No More Lies. Uh, Stop Mass Media. It's a great shirt, high quality cotton, very comfortable. You'll love wearing it. Um, support alternative media because really, this is the uh, the last stand. Okay, so uh, let me uh, let me attempt to bring on Kevin here uh, by means of Skype. So we have not actually connected on Skype uh, previously. So he may not be looking for me on Skype. Uh, oh, there I see him online right there. Let me try him again. Otherwise, I was going to try him on the phone. All right, here we go. Hi, Ian. Kevin, great uh, to connect with you. Uh, and can welcome. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you fine. Can you not hear me? Yeah, I'm having problems with uh, my the audio on uh, your end. Um, let's see. Can you, you hear me now? You may have a bad connection. Let me. Let's go out and, and try to contact me again. Would you? Yes, I will. Okay. And this is concerning because the last time I tried to connect with JP on Skype, I had an, uh, an, a problem. Here we go. Hey, testing one two. Testing three four. No. Nope. Yeah, still, uh, still having some problems. Let me switch to uh, headphones, Ian, just a second, and see if we got if it's our connection here. All right, sounds good. If you uh, if you can hear me. If not, uh, Kevin, I will dial your number. <clears throat> but again, hear me. Okay, he's putting his headphones on. Let's see if this works. Can you hear me now? Okay, testing one two, testing one two, testing three four, testing three four. Yeah, I I, uh, I can barely hear you, Ian. Oh I boy, don't know what, uh, I just did an interview a little while ago and it was fine. So, okay. Kevin, I'm going to call you on your cell. Let's see if that works. Okay, let's call Kevin on his cell. Let's see if that's any better. Okay, should be dialing here. Let him know. Okay, see if he gets my messages that I'm calling you. So, 
Yeah, part of the tech- technical difficulties, uh, this is a very small production. Hello, you've reached yourself. Okay. Um, let's try it again. Let's try his cell one more time. And we're just have to try the, uh, let's try the Skype again. I mean, again, I am concerned that the Skype is not working. He cannot hear me. Okay, we're at the 20-minute mark, and the program, and I appreciate your patience. Okay, again, we are attempting to connect with Kevin Ship. Okay, he's typing again. All right, he's typing, he's typing again. Let me just let him know that I tried now to connect with Donna's cell. Okay. Okay. Let's uh, wait for his confirmation. I've just typed him on Skype. So um, I have let him know that I'm trying to contact him on Skype. Wait for his re- reception there. All right, trying Kevin Ship again. Yeah, typically, I like to have these types of technical issues solved uh, prior, uh, so that you don't have to listen to this. But I do appreciate you standing by. Okay, so he may not even be getting my texts. Let's try calling him again. Kevin, uh, can you hear me? Hello? Yeah, can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Yeah, I'm still still not getting any audio at all. No audio. Um, okay, I'm going to try your cell. If you can faintly hear this, I'm going to try your cell. Strange. I'm going to try your uh, cell if you can faintly hear this. Okay. I, I've had issues with Skype before. All right, let's see. Let's see if we have any sound problems. I'm try. I'm gonna try to sell actually while he's. No. Okay. Audio. Audio. Call from plus one four one five five seven seven six nine one zero. Okay, so he's. Hello. Uh, Kevin, can you hear me now? Uh, yes, I can hear you. I got. I got you on the phone. Uh, up. Did I lose you again? Okay, so I just hung up the Skype because we were having uh, issues on Skype, uh, right. which might be my uh, my end. The last time I had uh, J.P. Lindstroth on, uh, he couldn't hear me either. So uh, we can simply go forward with the cell connection. Sure, that's fine. Yeah, okay, no problem. So, uh, Kevin, welcome to discussion. Discussion to truth. The technical difficulties, unfortunately, do happen from time to time. I apologize for listeners, but I welcome you to the program, uh, Kevin. I think probably most people uh, that listen to me are familiar with who you are. But if not, would you please give a few moments, a quick synopsis of who you are, 
why you are a, a former CIA officer and uh, what whistle you have blown, if that makes sense. Yes. yes. Hi, Ian. It's good to talk to you again. Uh, yes, I was a, I'm a former CIA officer. I was a protective agent on the detail of uh, CIA Director William Casey. Uh, I was in a counter-espionage group. Uh, we were searching for moles inside the CIA. And I was in a human, a human intelligence operation uh, collection overseas, specifically against uh, terrorism targets. And uh, during my one of my investigations, I ran across a possible vulnerability in our embassies where a foreign intelligence agent or worse could uh, hack into the embassy and identify our covert personnel. Um, I submitted that those findings to the agency. I was threatened, ordered to drop it. My uh, investigative reports were destroyed. It was removed from the headquarters server. Uh, I was called by a high-level official and threatened and told told to drop it. And that's kind of where the fun started. I wound up being assigned to uh, a classified base here in the United States. Uh, my entire family was poisoned. Uh, my wife and oldest son almost terminally. And it turns out that there was a... Uh, pretty bad toxin in or under the house. Uh, anyway, they broke into our house, painted a chemical on the ceiling. I gather evidence, affidavits from the people on the base aware of the chemicals there, uh, uh, guards that have been ordered to follow our family, uh, documents of the house break-ins, uh, et cetera. And the evidence was so compelling, a federal judge ordered the CIA to immediate a mediated settlement with our family. And then what the CIA did, and this is where I blew the whistle, uh, fully, uh, the CIA invoked what's called the state's secrets privilege, and that's something the NSA and the CIA have used for years to silence uh, any investigations or lawsuits against them in, in cases like this. So uh, the CIA advised me that uh, if we, we didn't take a fraction of the settlement in the case, that the CIA would invoke the state's secrets privilege, seal all the evidence, uh, and then uh, I would be breaking the law if I discussed the case. So... Um, I had my attorney call back and say, uh, not only no, but HWE or HE double toothpicks no. Uh, you ordered the mediation and you signed the settlement agreement. Well, about a week later, the CI invoked the state's secrets privilege, sealed all my doctor's diagnosis of my family, the environmental tests that I had done, the samples, samples the evidence of the break-ins, the affidavits from people on the base. Uh, the CIA sealed all that and then told me because of the state secrets privilege, if I talked about that evidence to anyone, I would go to prison. <clears throat> so uh, after a good bit of thought, and I'm a uh, constitutionalist and have been for, for a long, long time, uh, I decided, uh, no, 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 no. You don't just do that uh, in a constitutional society. You don't, you don't do it to a man's family. So I came out and blew the whistle on the CIA's use of the state's secret privilege. I have published all the documents that they tried to black out and conceal. I put them on fortheloveoffreedom.net on my website. And then I wrote the book From the Company of Shadows. Uh, they blacked out the same evidence I'm talking about. And, and uh, eventually I built a code into that book, ran it through the CIA censors, and they missed it. So today my mission is just to expose what I call the shadow government. And that is the CIA and NSA and the FBI now. Uh, some people are calling it the, the deep state. And I get into that in some of my speeches in detail. But there is a shadow government that manipulates our elected government behind the scenes. And, and that means Congress the presidency, and even the judiciary. So that's what I'm doing now. So, Kevin, what state were you in when your house and your life and your family, your your livelihood was sabotaged? What, what state was this? Was this Virginia, Maryland? 
Well, it was in the United States. I can't say that uh, just because of the risk I take okay. but, uh, and some the clearances that I have. But I can tell you, your uh, listeners, you, you can go out. It was on the front page. By, uh, Charlie Savage wrote an article on the front page of the New York Times and also the Washington Post. So if you're, if you're listening, okay. Google Kevin Ship CIA New York Times, you'll, you'll come up with the story. <laughs> and Kevin, do you uh, continue to hold uh, clearances with the organization or have you completely withdrawn? No, no. And what happens when you leave the CIA? I held my clearance for two years. When you leave the CIA, you hold your clearance kind of it's automatic for two years. And if, you, if you're not employed again by the CIA or one of its contractors requiring a clearance, then your clearance automatically dissolves. And uh, when uh, a person leaves the CIA and they resigns, resign or move on to another company and, and no longer need their clearance, then the CIA closes the barn doors and your clearance is, is stopped. And it's pretty much automatic. For example, James Clapper was a uh, still is a senior analyst for CNN. James Clapper had his clearance about a year into his CNN contract, which is kind of a problem. But then uh, after two years, that clearance would lapse if, if he's not using it for uh, for intelligence purposes. Now, we've been fortunate on this program. We've hosted uh, – I know that you are close to John Cariaco. He's been on the program twice, and we've also uh-huh. – uh, we've also had Ray McGovern uh, join the program. How long were you with the CIA, Kevin? And at what point in time in your career did you catch on to some funky business going on in that organization? Well, I was with the CIA for 17 years and then four years with Department of State Anti-Terrorism. But 17 years with the CIA, <clears throat> what happens is you join the CIA, as I and many others uh, did, didn't do, wanting to serve your country and do something patriotic and you get into the agency, you don't really know what's there until you get in. Once you get into operations, specifically what I call the dark side, when you get into CIA operations, and especially when you get up in rank, you start to see some things you didn't know were there and the CIA engaging in things that are not only unconstitutional, many times a violation of international law and sometimes even criminal. Now that's that's pretty harsh and that's that's pretty heavy for a listener to absorb that as they really would hope and imagine and they feel that the CIA is uh, portraying their best interest. But if the CIA then is doing things against the Constitution of the a country that the that represents its uh, citizens, therefore. Is it doing business for organizations that stretch outside of the boundaries of the United States? As certainly, if they're doing things that are unconstitutional, it's stretching outside of those that the Constitution represents. Oh, yeah, yes, Ian. I can tell you the CIA is only out for one party's interests, and that's its own. Uh, when the CIA uh, bugs and surveils U.S. Citizen, citizens, which it has done, and of course we know the NSA has done, that agency is no longer serving uh, Americans or we the people. That organization is uh, protecting or empowering it itself, and that's the juggernaut that the CIA has become uh, Harry Truman just after he about two years after he formed the CIA he regretted it because 
the power of secrecy that the CIA has, it had gone rogue within two years after its creation. And, of course, it's gotten uh, far worse in the last almost 60 years. So the CIA will do anything to perpetuate, per perpetuate itself. It will do anything to protect itself from scrutiny. It will destroy, systematically destroy whistleblowers. And I have a speech out there on how the CIA does it. But the CIA will systematically destroy any whistleblower that tries to expose its activities. And uh, even farther than that, it will go after that person's family. Kevin, uh, there are a number of things that I want to address with you. Um, let's start with the simple one. Um, right now in 2020, there seems to be a, a, a international, but certainly in the U.S. since Trump has taken office, an emphasis on fake news. Whereas the average citizen, I think, is now questioning the information that they get from mainstream media. Certainly, I would be one of those. And it started in 2016 with the Zika virus scare. Um, and it, not that I wasn't, not that I never uh, uh, guessed that Zika, the Zika virus itself was 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 harmful, but the controversy surrounding the pesticide that being used, and I stretched uh, various lines into uh, the Rockefeller Foundation and companies that they owned and whatnot. But now, again, I brought up Ray McGovern's uh, name, and Ray McGovern had said, Ian, basically what's happening now with, uh, with these small independent voices is that it gives a platform to, for those to know what is really happening in this country. It gives them a platform to talk, uh, and of course you would 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 agree with that, I'd imagine. But really, what is that? How does that fold into the narrative of the internet versus conventional television? Is there a fold? And what I'll add on to that, Kevin, is uh, I, I think you do understand a little bit of the CIA involvement in Silicon Valley. Uh, is there an a tie with InQtel? Oh, absolutely. InQtel is uh, the technical arm of the CIA, and InQtel, as a matter of fact, InQtel uh, and its uh, precursor were involved in the creation of the algorithms uh, for um, Google itself, with Sergey Brin, and it was uh, CIA assistance and grant money and seed money uh, that uh, was foundational in the beginning of Google, although Google will not admit that. It is a fact, and the documents are, are out there. So, and in terms of the mainstream media, we no longer have a true uh, freedom of the press. And I give a lot of talks on mainstream media propaganda, but they're they're putting out the mainstream outlets are putting out information that is uh, omitting in, important things that change the story, um, uh, adding things in uh, that that are not in the actual story, and, so, and outright uh, news fabrication sometimes. So, uh, if a person doesn't critically watch the mainstream media and examine it for facts, um, they're being fed uh, uh, the oldest trick in the book, and that's that's procedural propaganda, which was started by Edward Bernays under Woodrow, Woodrow Wilson. And the mainstream media is following an exact playbook of creating impressions, uh, thoughts, and and even affecting the polls by intentionally putting this information out to the American people. And what you said is so true. The new freedom of the press are outlets alt news outlets shows like yours and others that are out there and on youtube that are putting forth the facts and the information good credible vetted ones are the new freedom of the press in my opinion and that's all we have right now because the uh, the mainstream media uh, is no longer presenting the factual unbiased news 
Now, uh, in regards to media over the past decades, the ownership of the main outlets has become smaller and smaller. So therefore, that symbolizes a really uh, a, a sort of monopoly, but a total distortion of the way that, that, that messages get sent out to sent out to, to Americans. Why is it then, Kevin, uh, that these divides are happening? Is it intentional? Are, are, are these main media outlets... Uh, CNN, ABC, MSNBC, whatnot, uh, they seem to be biased in their political affiliation. It's like Fox News is all one side, MSNBC is another side, CNN seems to be tainted. Is that being done deliberately to divide uh, viewers? Well, you can go back to the old line, uh, follow the money, Jerry. A lot of these, uh, a big driver of all these new news outlets from CNN to Fox are the advertisers uh, that will or will not support their programming. But even over and above that, these major news networks, especially the mainstream media news networks, are no longer owned by journalist organizations. These are owned by major corporation like corporations like Disney and others and those corporations reflect their board of directors and the world view of their CEOs which is forced down through the board of directors to the editors, down to the reporters and the news anchors. So uh, there are controllers that control the media, and I I give a a detailed presentation on media propaganda. There are the elite controllers that manipulate the message on on, uh, programs, news programs like CNN, and their worldview go down through the editors and and into the actual journalists themselves. It is an intentional bias that is put in several of these news organizations to the point where facts are twisted and information is left out or added in there. And so the the control comes from the top. It comes from the wealthy elites. It comes from from corporations and not from journalist organizations. So it's no longer journalism. So let's get into that uh, briefly. Uh, I've spoken in the past uh, short while uh, about uh, we had a, a guest on the program, Servando Gonzalez, who's actually a Cuban-born uh, historian now living in the U.S. But he says what happened in the, under the Fidel Castro regime in Cuba was basically just a, a testing ground to set the stage with what is an intention by various powers to implement in the United States. And he draw an example of uh, uh, political correctness and, and how the suppression of speech starts simply like right. that. Um, right. With that said, Kevin. Uh, what created what? Did the CFR create the CIA, or did the CIA create the CFR? Well, the Council on Foreign Relations was instrumental in the creation of the CIA. The CIA sprang out of the Council on Foreign Relations, and men, many of the uh, original uh, leaders in the CIA were members of the Council on Foreign Relations. And let me add also, too, that Philip and Catherine Graham the original owners of the Washington Post were members of the CFR at the time, and they were connected to the CIA at the time, which is ironic because, in my view, I call the Washington Post the Mockingbird paper because it still has connections to the CIA today, and the CIA affects its reporting. So the CFR came first, and we know that that's a globalist organization, and uh, it, it was instrumental in the formation of the CIA. This all, in terms of the effect this all has on the news media, this is all coming from heading towards and manipulated by globalism and globalists. And we all know the effect that George Soros has on the American news media 
through grants, uh, foundational supports, and it, it, his own organization, Media Matters, George Soros is manipulating the U.S. news media and uh, from a globalist perspective. He's a globalist, and of course he's come out publicly and said that one of his goals is the elimination of U.S. sovereignty and uh, getting into the new international global order. So these are globalists that are affecting the heads and tops of these corporations or, or the actual owners themselves that have a globalist view and that view is being pushed down uh, really all, all the way down to uh, the thought police and what people uh, say about their gender their gender names uh, personal pro pronouns and all that other other things that's all coming down from the top and it's being fed to the american people by these elites who are, are controlling these multi-billion dollar organizations right so let's let's get into uh a a, a topic that most pe uh, most people kind of question and doubt which would be and and i just want to get your 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 opinion on this uh which would be the jfk assassination of course uh there are still thousands of files that have not been uh, uh divulged and open to the american public the the warren commission uh is was led by alan dulles and 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 uh kennedy had fired dulles before uh he he uh, was shot. Uh, Mark Shaw has been a guest on, on this program. He's a former defense attorney in uh, in California, and he's uh, got a lot of momentum behind his uh, series of books uh, regarding Dorothy Kilgallen. Not sure if you're familiar with her or not. Uh, What's my line? Uh, uh, host, and she was an investigative reporter, very close to JFK, and she was uh, she 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 passed away in her Manhattan apartment from barbiturates. But what Mark presents is is a case that she was she was murdered. Was George Bush by 17 years in the CIA, you knowing that 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 uh, organization pretty well, was George Bush at, at all tied to and behind, uh, in your opinion, behind the assassination of John F. Kennedy? Well, I, I can tell you this. Uh, I think it's uh, the documents are there. It's pretty clear, despite his denials, that George H.W. Bush was a CIA operative going back well before the Kennedy assassination. Uh, even involved in some some front uh, oil organizations related to, to Cuba. Uh, and uh, there is no question in, in my mind, if you look at the evidence and uh, everything that was happening during the time when the Bay of Pigs investigation failed and they tried to blame that on JFK, Alan Dulles uh, had, was already transferring uh, Nazi, former Nazi scientists into the U.S. and falsifying their paperwork to President Truman. So Dulles was engaged in some pretty uh, dark and illegal activity uh, and uh, crossed Kennedy. So Kennedy fired Alan Dulles from his coveted position as director of the CIA. That made Alan Dulles JFK's public enemy, number one, his nemesis. And I understand that Dulles began meeting with former senior CIA official, officials in meetings to discuss how they were going to to uh, remove JFK from office, uh, and uh, Dulles never recovered from that. Well, then, of course, JFK is assassinated. There's a lot of indication, uh, I think, pretty clearly that the, the mafia was involved, uh, in, in my opinion. The, the evidence shows that the CIA was also involved. But the, one of the most telling things is the fact that when they had the the kind of uh, mock Warren Commission hearings, uh, of all people to put in charge of the Warren Commission, they put in charge, guess who? Alan Dulles. That's like putting the fox in charge yeah. of the hen. It was a massive cover-up. Uh, Alan Dulles coordinated which CI officers would testify, which wouldn't, and he advised what the CI, CI officers would say during their testimony. He controlled the entire Warren Commission hearings when they related to the CIA.
Yeah. So in regards to livelihood in, in the U.S., we know that uh, we lost a great president. And, and from my point, it seemed like uh, I wasn't I wasn't alive at the time, but it seemed like uh, JFK was kind of a bipartisan president, uh, regardless of uh, political parley. I think he was accepted widely by, by most Americans. It doesn't seem that we've had a president like that since JFK. And so... That kind of gets me thinking about how just is the voting system in the United States. And of course, that kind of lays back into the Constitution that represents the people. And you've alluded to that Constitution dying. Paul Craig Roberts has been on the program before. He's a former senior uh, economist under the Reagan administration. And he said on this program, he says, Ian, Americans simply are completely brainwashed. He didn't say that, but he essentially said that. He says they do not have any more constitutional rights. That that's that's it's 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 a it's a mask. What do you how do you feel about that? Do you feel that there are constitutional rights? Can they be saved, or is that simply a cover up that that, that Americans simply don't have constitutional rights, and that voting is somewhat or, or uh, mostly manipulated? Well, I would agree with that. We are under, in my opinion, a post-constitutional government. We are no longer under a constitutional government. Of course, economically, that ended in 1913 with the creation of the Federal Reserve, which is neither federal and has no reserves and is manned by foreign banks. But if you, if you look at uh, the voting process, Americans think, you know, we're, we have a say in the vote. Look, look at the dynasties that have run this country that have gotten elected. There was the Clinton dynasty. Then there was the Bush dynasty. And the same abuse of secrecy, the, the, the same uh, domination of power, um, the same abuses by the Department of Justice happened under all those administrations, whether they were Republican or Democrat. And that's because this is all the deep state. Money and power get elected. Money and power reelect uh, its own uh, connections in families or political circles. So that is what is running this country. And then connected to that, you have what they're calling now the deep state, the shadow government deep state, which is this, was this massive trillion-dollar corrupt system that runs Washington and ensures who's going to be elected president of the United States. No, we are not, in my opinion, any longer living under a constitutional government. We're now living under kind of a, a modern form of tyranny. Right. And so who is behind this? Is it safe to say, Kevin, that that Federal Reserve is that concrete barrier, uh, or rather that moat that surrounds that castle that prohibits Americans from entering and draining, if you will, to use Trump's words, draining that swamp? W would it be that Federal Reserve in your in your in your uh, mind, Kevin? Or if not, what else would it be that might be that major obstacle to for Americans to regain uh, that th that that country they felt that they once had? Well, I think Federal Reserve is number one, uh, because that would uh, get Americans uh, uh, economic freedom, constitutional freedoms, freedom uh, back right there, and that's connected to everything. But secondly, we now have these monolithic organizations that are running our country. Essentially, the NSA, which we know uh, uh, was spying on millions of Americans, uh, the CIA, another jugg juggernaut that has secret budgets to the tune of billions of our tax dollars spent on operations and coups in other countries that we know nothing about. So uh, you've got that shadow part.
without a government that is operating things and, and will uh, many times dictate who is president and who is not uh, and get us into wars uh, uh, based on uh, the decisions of people that are unelected and largely unknown by the American people. So we're no longer under a constitution government. It's got these juggernaut intelligence services, and then the entire economy is manipulated manipulated by an organization that meets in secret. Its budget is secret, and, and the uh, member banks are foreign central banks are also secret uh kevin so getting beyond that and let's say that the 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 real deep state as you've alluded to is a conglomeration of these international banking systems therefore uh it's almost like the bitcoin movement where there are no physical boundaries what's the next step for the the human species in in that regard uh if that makes sense to you well, uh, where we're heading right now, Ian, is we're heading uh, for international uh, economic globalism. And uh, that's where uh, the, the majority of the nations in the world are going. That's where um, largely the Council on Foreign Relations, the Trilateral Commission, the Federal Reserve, the International Monetary Fund, uh, they're all pushing the United States into that. Uh, you can call it what you want. I think Susan Rice, Obama's National Security Advisor called it the new international order. Others call it the new international economic order. It's the it's the, the new world order. It's the new global order that they're pushing towards, and that's the danger. That's where we're heading right now is towards that global economic order, and we're starting to see uh, they're proposing the Federal Reserve is proposing FedCoin, which is a federal digital Bitcoin, and the IMS. IMF has been proposing digital global currency for some time. Uh, the chilling part is that is where we're heading. Uh, it has been held back, I think, in my view, by the current administration, which is not perfect, but for now. Uh, but it's heading in that direction, and uh, Americans need to understand that's where it's heading uh, and critically think about candidates on both sides, whether they're Democrats or Republicans, because globalism is starting to uh, bit by bit eliminate U.S. sovereignty. And I think that's beautifully said, Kevin. Again, folks, this is coming from uh, a 17-year veteran, high-ranking, decorated uh, CIA officer. Uh, again, 17 years in that organization, and they're putting it right there out. This uh, the, the world uh, uh, government is heading towards what is called, in a sense, a new world order. You see it right on the back of the uh, the Federal Reserve banknote, the dollar bill, as it's referred to. Uh, and you've said it very beautifully, Kevin, in that regardless of Democrat, regardless of Republican, that political uh, chaotic uh, dog chase is really going going nowhere and it's in my in my in my opinion uh, Kevin it's it's simply uh, meant to be kind of reality TV it's meant to distract Americans and dumb them down and get them thinking about nonsense do you have an opinion on that oh it certainly is and you can you can see that uh, and if you look at um, the, the kind of machine that was started under Woodrow Wilson, Woodrow Wilson and his uh, senior operations information officer uh, Edward Bernays, and the propaganda system that the government developed—a specific uh, procedural propaganda system for getting messages out to the American people—used then, and it's being used by our government now. But uh, the, the the goal and the stated mission of Bernays' system, which the government is using today, and some of the mainstream media is that—and they actually believe this—the the, the uh, minority elites 
have got to think uh, for the average uh, masses, uh, in this case in America, because the elites are intellectually superior, they're financially superior, so it's the elite's job to manipulate and control the thinking of the masses, and that is exactly what we're seeing right out in front of our face now uh, in, in our country on behalf of the United States government and be on behalf of the mainstream media. They're literally trying to tell America's uh, Americans what to think and how to think. Now, it's uh, it was my opinion in 2016 that the Zika virus and all my research that I've done, I'd reached out to uh, a, a medical background uh, at uh, New England Journal of Medicine. I'd reached out to folks at Lancet in the UK. Uh, nothing definitive uh, was sent to me that, that Zika uh, was directly causing uh, microcephaly in these developing children in Brazil, and thus uh, this was kind of the scare in, in the mosquitoes that were transmitted uh, in Florida at the time. Uh, what I found in Dibrom and or Nailit interchangeable is that the Rockefellers uh, were really behind that and Chevron Chemical Corporation. This is a engineered uh, uh, mosquito repellent from the 1950s. Very controversial at the time because it's, it was banned in Europe, uh, Kevin. Yet it was sprayed in Miami Dade. Uh, Rico yeah. Rosseo in Puerto Rico rejected. The shipment at that time by the World Health Organization. So what I found, Kevin, was that there was a, there was a large question of is the, how how seriously uh, dangerous is this Zika uh, virus, and is it simply being covered up by the spraying of this pesticide? So then here we are, four years later, and now we've got this other global, which is becoming a pandemic here. It seems like in this coronavirus, and 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 what caught my eye, Kevin, was that uh, Zero Hedge, a financial publication blog, was banned by Twitter for suggesting an alternative view regarding the coronavirus. They got completely banned. Uh, what is your view on the coronavirus? I'm not saying it's not dangerous, but what is your opinion on that? Yeah, Ian, I think and you made a great point, and I, and I hope your listeners remember that, that Twitter banned Zero Hedge's objective reporting from a scientist regarding the structure of the coronavirus itself banned that from from the the public arena uh and and there's no question in my mind that the coronavirus is being used as the government does as governments do as a system of control uh both of affecting the stock market uh, as as well as controlling the american people even in new york they're starting to take draconian procedures to control the virus they're taking away freedoms of of new yorkers and we're starting to see the government take away freedom through this thing i'm not downplaying coronavirus but it's it's interesting. They're talking about the uh, the two point three percent people that die from it, uh, which which is terrible and needs to be reported. But it's it's interesting how they're spinning that because they're not talking about the ninety eight percent of people that survive the virus uh, and many with minimal effects. So that shows you. And we're all after facts and after truth. So if you're going to report the truth, report the number of people that are dying and report the number of people that are not. Ninety eight percent of the people that get coronavirus are not dying. So the point is, is that the virus itself, as serious as we must take it, is being used, here we go again, as a mechanism of control by governments and the media to control the behavior, in this case, of the American people and even globally. What's the next step for the cell phone? Is that simply going to be conduced more into a chip where human beings globally are implemented with chips? Do you see something like that happening, Kevin? 
Well, another thing, yeah, I want your, your listeners, listeners to remember that the globalism, the globalists, including in this country, are heading, they're pushing what's called transhumanism. Transhumanism is the merging of human biology and psychology with uh, artificial intelligence uh, to be, become kind of one uh, sentient uh, being. In other words, uh, computer-chipped humans, which is a, a kind of a very minimal way of putting it, but uh, that's where it's, we're, we're heading towards global transhumanism and the merging of humans with with uh, artificial intelligence and eventually digital economic currency. And real quickly, uh, one of the one of the most uh, horrific parts of the Epstein case, despite the fact that he was clearly murdered, uh, was Epstein was involved in a in a huge uh, blackmail espionage ring. But all of his money, the millions that he was contributing to uh, MIT and to Harvard, were all for research on transhumanism, the merging of humans and uh, artificial intelligence. So that shows you where we're heading. That shows you where the governments are heading, and I think that's where people need to be alerted and, and keep an eye on this, uh, because uh, it, it's shocking, it's, it's mind-boggling, but that's what's happening. Um, I think the average listener wants to retain their freedoms and their liberties that are, are, are experienced uh, by the creation of that U.S. Constitution. The struggle seems to be doing that, especially if there's a global lockdown on a scare of a virus and people get quarantined and sent into camps and what you know, what tomorrow brings, we don't know, but certainly cities are being quarantined globally. Um, $26 trillion in debt, the United States. Who does this country uh, pay the piper to? Who, who Who's behind this deeper international banking conglomeration? Can you identify uh, a, 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 a nuclei in that regard, Kevin? Well, uh, I think I can, and this uh, $22 trillion debt that the United States has now found itself, got itself into, is going to result eventually in an economic crisis. Mathematically, that has to happen. That will happen. The only question is when. Some people say uh, uh, two years, some people say five. It's very difficult to to predict, um, but but that that economic crisis is coming, and what a lot of people don't know, it, some of your listeners, listeners may you may know, that there is twenty one trillion dollars missing from the U.S. Department of Defense budget, and also connected into HUD. There's twenty one trillion dollars. They can't uh, they can't say where it came from, and they can't say where it went. So as soon as people started getting on that, Catherine Austin Fitz talks about it in great detail. Great Greg Hunter on USA Watchdog talks about it in great detail with the actual documents that $21 trillion people are demanding. That That is that would put us in a national debt of more like $40 trillion instead of just 22 if you had that $21 trillion. So what did just happen? What did James Clapper do as the, the uh, director of national intelligence uh, two years ago? He moved that secret missing $21 trillion over to guess where? Uh, secret classified government accounting systems. So it's now under what I call the shadow government is classified and no one will ever know uh, what they use that 21 trillion dollars for so there, there's an example there and that, what is this is this put in offshore accounts where, 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 where is this money going 
That's that's the bizarre part. They they uh, it came through the books. The twenty one trillion clearly came through the books. They tried to reverse engineer and trace back uh, where it came from. The records were blocked. So then they tried to trace where the money went. Those records were were blocked. And when they started getting too close, the government moved it, as I mentioned, under a classified program. So there are people still digging, still still screaming to get those records and find out what in the world our government did with twenty one trillion dollars that it's not telling anybody about it. Of course, that's our tax dollars. But uh, just as maybe more importantly, as they're doing it in secret, they've used this money in secret for programs that are secret, and they're not telling you and I exactly what they did. Now, various research that I've done, Kevin, is that, uh, for instance, uh, the Federal Reserve, of course, is not audited. It's uh, You can't penetrate it. it, it I, I don't know what how much you need to have in order to buy shares of it. Uh, it it's really it's kind of this hidden banking system that governs uh, the United States. Um, that's compared from research that I've done to, let's say, the Vatican, which is its own sovereign nation and the banking system right. that runs that. And then also, Kevin, right. the Bank of England, where the monarchy doesn't control it. It's run by international financiers. Is there a link behind the Bank of England, or excuse me, the Bank, the City of London, which I've, uh, which I've uh, uh, explained to listeners, is separate from the City of London that is visited for tourism. There's a small neighborhood in that city that it's its own financial district, and it dates back to the Roman Empire. The William the Conqueror signed a, an agreement giving it its own freedom and liberties, and it's 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 been around for over a thousand years, and the British have always been subjugated to it. What else is interesting, Kevin, is that last uh, uh, the last time I had uh, a regular guest on the program, J.P. Lindstroth, who's actually an uh, Oxford PhD and he's a former Fulbright scholar to, to Brazil, I said, hey, J.P., he's, he's an American historian, I said, J.P., you know, George Washington owned, uh, pardon me, he owned stocks in the Bank of England during the American Revolution. So looking at both sides, why would he be owning stocks in an enemy's bank and why would the enemy permit that? Is there something behind, and yes, it might be difficult for listeners to really kind of think that, hey, has there been a stranglehold on the Constitution and on those liberties going back to the original founding? Is it possible? Yes, it's possible. Do you think in your opinion and research and, and knowledge, uh, Kevin, that the Bank of England may be a major player over, over uh, suffocating that oxygen that the Americans breathe from? Oh, the Bank of England is certainly uh, exerting a control over that, and uh, these global banks largely are are tied together and interlap. And, right. and as I mentioned earlier, we lost. Speaking specifically of America, we lost our constitutional freedom uh, in 1913 when the Federal Reserve was created from right. foreign banks. Our our economy is being run by global foreign banks and we can just leave that statement right there for people to remember that our economy is being run by global foreign banks in the form of the federal reserve so we are no longer under a constitutional form of government and we no longer make the choices and decisions for the economy of our own country ladies and gentlemen kevin ship uh, 17 years with the cia kevin uh, some last parting words uh for for listeners why is it that you do what you do to stand up 
for Americans to get them thinking about fighting for alternative news and 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 and, and really the underlayer of the last hope. I would I would I would say for any type of uh, liberty or justice uh, for all. Um, why do you do what you do, and what do you recommend, Kevin, for listeners to do? How do you recommend they act? Well, in every great movement in history has started with a a grassroots movement of people that finally were fed up, had enough, typically usually educated people, people who love their country, started a grassroots movement that eventually, in several cases, overturned some of the most powerful governments in the world. And that's what we have going on right now. I know you you hear this and all the shows I'm on and people I talk to and people that communicate with me. We are experiencing a, a very quiet revolution, especially in the United States. And even I hear from other countries, a very quiet revolution where people are fed up with being controlled in the areas you and I just talked about. So there's a revolution underway without question. And there's a, there's a, a grassroots movement for freedom in the United States that's underway without question. So I want people, uh, your listeners, to have hope that there is a huge movement of millions of, of us out there that understand this is going on and we're all starting to work to expose it and work against it. The best thing people can do is what you and I are doing right now is speak out, write, educate people, talk to people about this, get the facts, get the information and, and share it with every single person as, whether they want to hear it or not. Gracefully share it with every person that you can network and, and use what we talked about earlier and that's the new freedom of the press. That's all of us in these great grassroots news organizations and and as i mentioned earlier grassroots movements are powerful and we've seen them overturn entire governments from the company of shadows is his book kevin ship is his name kevin thanks for joining discussion to truth we look forward to bringing you back on the program in the future thanks for all you do thanks ian always a pleasure thank you ladies and gentlemen kevin ship uh, technical difficulties there on uh, Skype, which is a little concerning for me because uh, two weeks ago uh, we had to resort to phone call with uh, JP. But uh, hey, it is what it is. It's technology. There are glitches uh, from time to time. Uh, we have been remotely out of studio for a number of months now. And so that also uh, contributes to... I'm not saying it is uh, the case this time uh, to some of the def- def- technical difficulties. Do contribute and donate to the program. Uh, and, and like Kevin said, start your own. Talk. Spread this message. Share it with a friend. Share it with family. Do your own uh, broadcast, podcast, whatever you want to do. Uh, next week, William Alva Blunden joins the program. He'll be discussing Behold a Pale Farce. We're going to be getting into InQtel a little bit more. Cyber War, Threat Inflation, and the Malware Industrial Complex. Folks, Kevin Ship spent 17 years with the CIA. He's a guy that knows this thing or two about how this government is run. You heard him right there say... No Democrat, no Republican. They're both chasing their tails. They're a distraction from what's really going on. And what's really going on are these international banking organizations. He agreed the Bank of England is a large player. I didn't ask him about the Vatican, but it seemed like it resonated with him. The Federal Reserve, how much does the Federal Reserve really represent you? When you pay a dollar in the store, right? You you buy a, a Coke... With a dollar, how much does that dollar represent you? 
It doesn't. It doesn't represent you. It represents elites, wealthy elites that are feeding into a larger banking conglomeration that is controlling the actions of you and me and the United States and has completely corrupted this political system, absolutely, completely, and totally. And if you don't stand up right now, you're going you're to lose that if we haven't already. Okay, We may have already lost any hope of regaining and retaining any type of these liberties and justice that we've, we, that we've inherited by these forefathers that set us, set us up. I've got some great friends in Canada. Paul, uh, Paul Hellier joined the program. He, uh, a very high-ranking former deputy, basically, prime minister of Canada. Very much on board with what is happening with these smaller programs. Like Kevin has talked about. Like Ray McGovern has talked about. These are high-ranking political members of government that runs day-to-day operations. They know what they're talking about. Okay? Uh, I don't hold, I haven't held those positions. It just so happens, folks, that I began questioning the Zika versus pesticide spray in 2016. And from there, this is all unfolded. Okay, and let me mention in regards to technical difficulty, uh, Bandy Lee, Doctor Bandy Lee, author of the Dangerous Case of Donald Trump, uh, who said on this program here uh, that uh, uh, the current uh, commander in chief is uh, mentally incapable of continuing uh, being in charge of what he's in charge of, and that is uh, the country that, that 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 you are a part of, if you're listening in the U.S. Um, she'll be rejoining the program April 8th, and that is due to a glitch. We're going to uh, have her reappear. She's agreed to, to come on. So that'll be followed uh, by Zach Voorhees, Voorhees, who will open up uh, the program on April 1st. And again, he's a former Google uh, engineer and employee. Uh, he, uh, let, me, let me just squeeze in this quote here um, before I reach out to our next guest um, for the doubleheader. Uh, Voorhees claims... Uh, excuse me. The reason why I collected these documents now it's a 950-page cachet that he released from uh, that he had from Google to the Department of Justice Antitrust Division. The reason why I collected these documents was because I saw something dark and nefarious going on with the company Google. I felt that our entire election system was going to be compromised forever by this company that told the American public that it was not going to do any evil. They were intending to sculpt the information landscape so that they could create their own version of what was objectively true. He continues to claim his former company created algorithms to hide its political bias within artificial intelligence programs, uh, platforms. Uh, Kevin Shipp just addressed that. In effect, targeting particular words, phrases, and context to promote, alter, reference, or manipulate perceptions of internet content. content. The issue is that free market has been distorted, and what's happening, he says, is that the, and this is a quote, distortion is so grotesque, and the engineering is so repulsive, all we need to do is just expose what's going on. People can hear that it is bad, but that can be bias. But when they see that Google has actually written with the documents, this will actually be taught in universities of what totalitarian states can do with this type of capability. The world that Google is building is not a place I or you or 
our children want to live in. That's Zach Voorhees, and it is a quote by the website that Kevin and I just talked about that was banned by Twitter, Zero Hedge. By the way, uh, he worked on Google Earth, which is completely fed by the CIA, uh, 2008 and 2013. And I'm going to close this program by uh, a little tit for tat. Uh, I don't think I've shared it yet, but I'm going to throw it out there because I feel it relevant. It just, nothing is nothing is coincidence, folks. In my opinion, nothing's coincidence. How can you prove that nothing is coincidence? How can you prove anything is coincidence? My opinion, therefore, nothing is coincidence, okay? It's not, un, un, you're not able to prove it otherwise. Um, with that said, I just so happened to be in Palo Alto in the year 2000. I was eating at a Greek restaurant. I think it was called Evia. I'd been at I'd been at the Greek restaurant, uh, and out walks um, out walks uh, five uh, a businessman dressed in suits. What I overheard in that discussion this is uh, year two thousand whatever I don't remember the month. What I overheard in that discussion, and somebody had mentioned to me, hey, she said, she said, hey, that's Charles Schwab. So Charles Schwab standing there, and I, and and I overheard Charles Schwab talking about a new search engine. At that point, you had we'd had Ask Jeeves, Netscape, uh, Yahoo, right? We had some various. Um, uh, uh, search engines that were doing incredibly well. All right, I never thought they, any of them could be overtaken. And in fact, Yahoo at that time was probably one of the one of the main kings of Silicon Valley. Okay, this is Palo Alto, year two thousand. And and I, I've never heard, I've never shared this information on the program before. And I hear Charles Schwab talk about a new a search engine by the name of Google. I left the country for a couple of years. I came back. And that small little company that had an office on University Avenue in Palo Alto had grown into a mini empire. Today, today 2020, it essentially in many ways monopolizes uh, commerce on the internet. Again, these are my opinions, but yes, that's fact in Palo Alto 2000. Coincidence or not, don't know it. If you're listening to this program, I thank you. Share with a friend. Share with a family member. Donate. Buy a t-shirt. Stopmassmedia.com. No more lies. I, th- I think they're 20, 30 bucks. I'm not sure what they are. Uh, right there at DiscussYourTruth.com or Stopmassmedia.com or Ian Trottier. That's I-N-T-R-O-T-T-I-R.com. Uh, follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Instagram. And again, both handles, I-N-T-R-O-T-T-I-R.com. Thanks for joining the program. And until, well, thanks for listening, rather. Until next week, that's Wednesday, always Wednesday, 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard. Folks, be awesome.